Welcome to On The Couch with James Field and Ian Harris. It's episode 103 for the 6th of March, 2009. How are you doing, James? I'm very well, thank you, Ian. It's a beautiful, bright, sunny day here in uh, in London, and it's uh, equally brightish here in the <laughs> south. Excellent. In and here we are south. on the couch. Indeed, long couch today, but that's uh, right. That's the way it works. And uh, we're going and to talk about what's happening in the world of broadcast and entertainment news. Indeed, with a little bit of a, a thematic uh, pitch in a little do. Sort of businessy stuff, a bit of uh, well, not much technology news this week. To be fair, um, content delivery. What else? Um, mobile. What's happening in the world of mobile and gaming, and uh, any other crazy stuff that comes to mind? Yeah, I think that would be uh, sounds like a plan. So I think we should kick off uh-huh. and see uh, what's going on. Now you've, um, I guess, the first thing is I've just come back from a little um, trip to Japan, mm-hmm. um, where I was looking at some sort of. Went shopping again in Akihabara, looking around. Nice. Any cool gadgets or any crazy things? Well, I, did, I went looking for robots, actually. I don't know why we're talking about this in business, but uh, <laughs> I blame the editor, Ian. <laughs> yeah, um, blame me. I went there looking for robots, but mm. I couldn't really find any. That's I was a shame. disappointed about that. But, I'd, uh, I'd be pretty happy going to Japan and coming home with a robot. Yeah. But I did I did have a look at some... Um, I went to the sort of Akihabara Yodobashi camera. I don't know if we talked about this before. Yodobashi camera is... Um, Kind of like the uh, That's Best right, Buy, that, um, big sort of camera thing. and electronic store thing. Yes, right? but it sells kind of. There's like ten floors and anything you could possibly want. But I went to the TV mm-hmm. floor mm-hmm. and was looking at some of the sort of internet TV stuff, um, mm. which was quite cool. And one of the, the releases I saw when I came back was uh, obviously my Japanese has come on quite well since having been there. You kind of you know, the Japanese Babelfish jumped in my ear, <laughs> uh, and I could instantly read Japanese. Fantastic. Uh, but not. Uh, and one of the TVs, I noticed they'd up, issued a release, uh, an upgrade to it. And, and I mean, the um, the remote control for a, one of these big Sony Bravia TVs is, mm-hmm. is but ugly, I think is the way to explain it. It's like, <laughs> right. a, it's like a, it looks like a half a, a computer keyboard kind of thing. It's oh my huge. goodness. Um, but it had a, you know, in, in London we have the, um, uh, you've probably got one of these, what do they call them? Oct- not octopus card, the oyster card. Mm-hmm. And in mm-hmm. Hong Kong, I know when I was there, they had the uh, octopus card. And in many places, they have these kind of near field communication card readers. Right. There's one in Japan called, um, I think the, the one on the train is called Suica or something, S U I C A. So it's really like got a card one, payments for transport systems. Yeah, electronic payment for small right. stuff, yep. basically. But they've got one for. Um, just um, regular transaction you get it from your bank I think and they, they right. build it into phones and things as well called okay. EDY uh-huh. EDI electronic data yen or something I don't know what it is <laughs> um, but they've got the, actually built into the remote there's one of these readers oh, and you can wow. pay for stuff over the internet with your card where you just put it on the remote and uh-huh. sort of press a button so now that's cool pay so what, is, what can um, you buy can you buy content or can you get yeah, I think it's content or? I mean, obviously, my Japanese kind of ran out about there, but um, <laughs> it looked like Fair it enough. was for buying content. Uh-huh. So that um, sounds great. Yeah, but I'm not sure. I guess people who are buying, you know, this 81 inch TV in Japan probably don't carry money like the Queen. You know? <laughs> That's right. You just don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> they have other people that do that. Yes. Um, wow, that's so, pretty anyway. cool, though. Yeah, I think so. It's, presumably, I, the I remote control is cooked up to the internet somehow. 
well i think the tv is oh, right, but I guess okay, it's all right, right yeah communicating via that but i'm sure that's one of these things that they say you know i don't know only 20 percent of the products actually make it out of japan mm. but everything sort of leaks out into the Mm. You know, I'm sure if you deploy something like that in the US, they'd say, "Oh, you've got to support it for ten years and all this kind of stuff." Yeah. But maybe in Japan, you can just give it a go you know, and practice. see what happens. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Anyway, that's a bit of a kind of um, editorial mix-up. So, meanwhile, back on the business. <laughs> well, we can cover that in tech. We'll say that's our technology yeah, what, section. What's all this about trolls? <laughs> well, um, it's an it's an issue that I'm uh, personally very passionate about. Uh, trolls, trolls, or the getting rid of trolls. Um, okay. And this is all about patent reform or patent reform uh, in the US, mm-hmm. which right. everyone has agreed for some time is uh, a bit of a mess. Right. And they've just introduced a bill into uh, not uh, hasn't been a, hasn't been signed off uh, legislation wise, but it's been uh, actively discussed in terms of reforming uh, the patent and, and trademark office. Uh, in the right. US, and it, it's uh, it's an issue that's affecting me in my work life. Even trying to deliver products in the US, you have to be very careful in terms of intellectual property and uh, the fact that someone might have some random patent that we see. These are the trolls. Is it? This is yeah. the definition of the troll. Someone who comes and says, Ha-ha, "I have it. I've got a patent. I won't tell you about. You yep. must pay me lots of money." Yep. Uh, and all they they call trolls, I guess, because they kind of run around. Slurping Under up bridges. patterns and, and just yeah. hang around waiting for you to you know, walk over their bridge and then they jump out and try and get you, uh, which really ends up being meaning that uh, intellectual property, uh, the, the legal side of intellectual property in the US can be excruciatingly expensive and fairly random because if someone has a patent in relation to the stuff that you're selling, then you have to be able to cover yourself, otherwise... Um, you might end up so having kind to... Of liability insurance and things that you yeah, have to have. and liability mm. uh, in, <laughs> insurance for this kind of stuff in the US is actually unavailable in the US. You have to buy it elsewhere and it's excruciatingly expensive. I guess because they have all this triple damages and all this kind of mm. stuff laws and then if someone sues you in California, you, you'd better be right. Yep. The, uh, so they're looking okay. to uh, reform... So what's the reform mean? What is it? Uh, what are they going to do? Well, there's a few things. Mm-hmm. Um... Uh, they're looking at the way that we should uh, both point out at this point that neither of us are patent lawyers. No, we're as anti as not anti legal as unlegal <laughs> as it possibly gets. <laughs> <laughs> Paralyzed legal as opposed well, to yeah, that's right. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. uh, as I understand, there's a few things they're trying to do. Um, the problem at the moment is that if you have one uh, piece of intellectual property that uh, applies to one part of your product, uh, because right. electronic products typically these days are, ex- are very complicated and contain right. potentially many, many different patents, sometimes hundreds or right. thousands of patents. Mm-hmm. Um, and because everything's got so complicated, everything's kind of uh, uh, turned into considering the fact that without one particular patent, the product might not, might not exist at all. And so that right. the royalty... So is the key patent, doesn't it? That's right. So, so the royalty that you would... Uh, have to pay for such a patent would essentially cover the cost of the entire device or some large proportion of it. So that means all you need is really one patent and you can essentially wipe out the profits for any other company. Um, right. Uh, because judges are looking at more at the combination of things and the, the functionality as a whole rather than that the particular part of uh, the functionality right. that that might, uh, uh, might adhere to. And I mean, a good example of that is the... the uh, the RIM, the BlackBerry guys, 
um, mm-hmm. was sued last year, I think it was, and ended up having to uh, ended up having to pay five hundred million dollars wow. um, to settle on a patent that had to do with the delivery of uh, electronic messages over a cellular system, as I recall. Which right. sounds fairly straightforward to me, but uh, the judge decided that it was an essential part of their system, and so they got. Um, a bigger amount of, you know, pretend royalties that got multiplied by well, a large number. switched the BlackBerry off, didn't they, at some point? Yeah, yeah it did get switched off at one point. So yeah. um, it can be it can be quite difficult. So and they're just turning it into being a bit more sensible? Yeah, I think they're trying to make that more, a bit more sensible. Um, they're also mm-hmm. trying to uh, ensure that if you're operating in a particular state, then that's where you actually uh, file the, the patent because uh, East Texas is a very popular place for trolls because they... Uh, uh, for some particular reason, the uh, it, it always seems to go uh, for the people filing in their favour. In their favour, <laughs> right. um, so that's helping, and a bunch of other stuff to try and keep it a bit more sensible. Uh, I guess you know, from a from a business or a legal perspective, um, patents are actually a big part of doing doing business in the kind of technology mm. world these days. Uh, so I mean, intellectual property obviously is. I mean, and, and a lot of. You know, the investment in R&D, a lot of people, I think there's different approaches. One is you can mm. try and avoid patents, but that's clearly impossible because there's so many trolls under so many bridges. <laughs> yep. Or is to build up you know, your own patent portfolio so you, yep. can, you can defend the fact that you're actually using your own mm. uh, stuff. And I, I seem to recall there was something about you know, in America you could almost patent blindingly obvious things. Yeah, you can. Um, as long as you did it first. blindingly obvious things. Uh, I think yeah. some of the... Uh, <laughs> For example, Microsoft has just sued TomTom, the uh, GPS makers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, because of eight patents that Microsoft hold. Some of them are to do with the the uh, FAT, the FAT file system, and yep. uh, some of them are to do with uh, navigation on a portable device. And one of the patents is actually actually all about putting a computer in a in a car and then driving it around. Of course, yeah, because Microsoft have just been talking about launching Windows. Mo- uh, motor or something at the Geneva Motor Show this week. There you go. Hopefully you saw that. So uh, I don't know what the <laughs> I can imagine the uh, all the airbags going off or not. <laughs> Reboot the car. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's also, you know so Microsoft is getting into mo- into mm. cars. So and um, uh, I found out that Microsoft tried to buy TomTom a couple of years ago, and TomTom said no thanks. Uh, I think so. they own the Tele Atlas or something. The um, the mapping guys they use. Mm. I think that's. Uh, um, anyhow, there we go. I guess we should we should move on. So watch out for Indeed. trolls and Indeed. um and build your IPR. That's the, the that's kind of the key. moral of the story, isn't it? It is. Um, now uh, news in the UK. Um, we've had a few sort of. I guess ITV is one thing. The uh, the number one commercial broadcast station here in the UK mm-hmm. announced massive losses, uh, yeah. and they're they're getting rid of um, I don't know what percentage of the workforce, but it's about six hundred people, canning a number of sort of very expensive TV productions, mm-hmm. um, and they lost something like two and a half billion or something, and they're going to sell off their yeah. their uh, Friends Reunited website. Mm-hmm. I don't know who will buy it, but uh, well, now that uh, Facebook's taken off, I don't know. Yeah, or Facebook, MySpace, whatever. I mean, um, mm. and you've got a story here about Virgin Media is selling off what? Selling off? Isn't this the digital terrestrial? Um, no, this is actually selling off their uh, channels. Their channels. So Virgin Media Television. Yeah, it's valued about mm. half a billion pounds. Uh, uh, and and uh, I don't know if you know that Virgin Media 
own half of UK TV, which is a collection of channels that uh, are all about UK TV. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The other half being owned by BBC Worldwide, as you'd expect. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, so the difficulty for Virgin, I can see that they want to get rid of their content business because um, they need some extra cash. It's not really a good time to go and try and sell a bunch of TV stations. There's not a lot of people yeah. running around going, hey, I've got commercial to- TV stations with very small market shares. But ah, So yeah. they're just going to turn themselves into simply a, a cable company, mm. not a content company. Yep. Which uh, uh, is going to make them more vulnerable to you know, people like Sky, I suppose, in the business. Exactly. Because, yeah. But you know, hard times, people must do these kinds yeah. of things. Must and uh, Virgin's got £6 billion of debt, mm. so in case you've got to pay that off somehow. Indeed, yeah. You know, I guess if they can sell the FlexDeck or VMTV Virgin Media Television for half a million, that'll pay the bills, pay the interest repayments for a while. So that'll yep. keep them yep. keep them happy. Very good. Um, now, content delivery. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know about you, but I I'm not really into watching video on demand. I'm not into sort of pay per view. I think I've talked about this before. Mm. Um, I think all our experiences I, in in uh, pay per view. Yeah, being- and I think this is. I mean, this is a kind of maybe behavioural thing about whether mm-hmm. people are... Um, a subscription is palatable because it seems like a good deal, although you probably don't watch nearly all of the content. Mm. So subscription VOD is a different one, but you, you found some stuff here from something called Coda Research on um, video-on-demand behaviour. Mm. So right. these guys have spent three months doing this a market and behavioural study in the UK mm-hmm. of uh, what people right. do with video-on-demand on uh-huh. TV and online. Uh, and they're trying to project what's going to happen over the next couple of years in terms of uh, people well, using... Six years, isn't it? 2015. Yeah, up to 2015. Uh, yeah. So they reckon that VOD via TV is going to increase fourfold from 7 million hours per day to 28 million hours per day by 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, VOD via PC or laptop communications will increase fourfold from 5 yeah. million hours per day, which I just stopped there and thought, hang on a tick. What they're saying is that right now people watch 7 million hours per day on their TVs and, and 5 on million. PC. So that's, I think that's an incredibly large amount of VOD that people are allegedly watching right now. Is that, do, do you, do you think that number sounds right? I think this is just, and I could, you could refer to this as the iPlayer effect. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. It's pretty much um, all the iPlayer on thought. And also VOD via TV is limited pretty much to i guess there's bt vision which is you know a, mm, a few percent percentage. of the market mm-hmm. um and i heard a rumor as well that bt vision might be mixing up with uh, channel four over here as well but uh, yeah and and there's cable obviously so there's the cable guys and, and bt vision mm. so that's a very and cable's got a small market share so mm-hmm. probably you know 25 percent of the viewing population can watch vod mm-hmm. um and i guess discount, guy you know, i mean sky's uh, near VOD probably isn't counted yeah. in I mean, this. Sky Anytime, I think it's called, is, is on what, half their subscribers' boxes, probably with the Sky Plus stuff. Mm-hmm. Do, your box has that, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. So it randomly okay, records so. things for you that it thinks you should watch, and you can watch them whenever you want, but it, 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 you don't actually pay for it, so... Yeah. Beyond mm-hmm. the normal subscription. So it's like subscription VOD, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that does look quite... And these projections, what are they based on? Some spotty kid going out and uh, asking a few <laughs> well, people. Well, they spent three months doing it. But they do reckon <laughs> that uh, linear viewing, uh, normal TV viewing, will see a decline of 15%. Right. Uh, and that uh, VOD via TV and online will impact PVR viewing. So PVR viewing will actually increase. To 14 million. So it reckons more people are watching PVRs 
twice as much content as PBR says hmm, to 28 million. So they reckon by 2015, mm-hmm. more people people will be watching more VOD than PVR viewing, right. which kind of makes sense, I suppose. Well, I guess if the VOD services improve, then yeah. why would you worry about recording something in advance when you can watch mm. something whenever you want? I think the more interesting stat is that uh, UK internet users currently consume £1.3 billion worth of illegally sourced video content per year. Serious? <laughs> that's a large yeah. number. Wow. It is. Oh, it's not. I don't know if that's... Is that a lot? Well, it's half of ITV's losses in this last year. Yeah, yeah. But then it says ad revenues for linear TV will decline by 10% to £2.86 billion. Well, that's what ITV lost. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I'm not, you know, I'm... I know. Mm. There's statistics and statistics, but I'm not. Mm. I'm not convinced about them. Anyway. Mm. Right. Um, moving on, we've got some mobile news. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the millionth iPhone has been sold in the UK, which Yay. seems like quite a lot to me. Seems like an awful lot of phones. But there, it's. <laughs> I mean, it's a typical kind of anti-Apple. Oh, but it's not very good. Yeah. Um, I know in Japan, I think SoftBank started giving away the iPhone on well, free on a subscription plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's uh, I did. I asked my guy uh, when I saw him in Japan. I said, "You know, what, have you seen the iPhone?" He said, "Oh yeah, big battery." And he showed me his phone actually, which was quite cool. Mm-hmm. And he'd only had it for a couple of weeks, so it's one of the more modern ones. Mm-hmm. Um, we watched a bit of TV on it and um, cool. had a sort of touch screen. Um, yeah. It was quite boxy kind of thing. But mm-hmm. one of the cool things actually was a, a kind of a, like a screen overlay uh, which right. had a like a an anti-snooping mask on it kind of thing so it put this disruptive pattern overlaid on top of any content so like a, an additional graphics plane uh-huh. so that you could people couldn't look over your shoulder and read what you're looking at oh, okay that's interesting so that was that was a weird thing um but yeah quite a, a neat little phone um so iphones are cracking out there plenty um, in the uk that's for sure yeah and uh, we've got Samsung who've, what, what's this about? They've un- unleashed a screaming phone? What's it's a just sc- one that when, you get, when it gets stolen, it screams. Is this ah, the one? right. No? Yeah. At least Maybe the, phone, the, the ability to scream as loud as a snowmobile or a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's got an alarm in it, right? 100 okay. dB alarm. Yep. Okay. Wow. So, <laughs> I, I guess, guess that's, I mean, I, I must admit my iPhone's not very loud when it rings, uh, even though I've got that crazy kind of R2-D2 ring, ringtone. Um, did you, do you buy that actually? My, did you actually buy that ringtone? Uh, not exactly. I made it. Let's say <laughs> I made, made it. it. I have a friend who speaks like R2-D2. Oh, okay, cool. Um, and I recorded him. Um, so this, so this, this uh, Samsung one is designed for people who fear going out in public and it... Uh, not only has an ear-piercing alarm... I'd fear holding the phone around in my ear. <laughs> exactly. What if it went off while you were holding it? But it also, <laughs> but it also calls someone or sends something about... Sends your GPS coordinates to someone if you're in distress. So, there you go. Oh, so it's got like a... It's a phone with a panic button. Yeah. Uh, and it does come with a, an LED grid with preset cutesy patterns such as hearts and kitties. I what, wonder... Screaming, screaming kitties. <laughs> I wonder who this is aimed at. Uh, yeah, so the new phone will go on sale next month in Korea. We marketed to women and children, and uh, they yeah. should have just chucked a taser on it as well. You know? <laughs> it doesn't have a taser. Oh no, <laughs> taser and strobe lights, please. <laughs> I'll go for the whole thing. That is a that is a scary phone. She, I mean, you need to show a picture of some someone holding it near their ear. That would probably be more effective. Yeah, I, I would be scared. A hundred DVs is. is uh, Pretty much at the threshold of pain, really, in 
terms mm-hmm. of hearing. That's but that's the idea, I suppose, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. I, I have one phone call, you know, something like that. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, we've got in the gaming domain, a couple of things mm-hmm. here. Haven't mm-hmm. we? Um, what's the one you've got that I haven't got? <laughs> this is the one about <laughs> the amount of time wasted people playing solitaire online. Yes. Which I thought, it was something like, um, was it 9 billion hours a day I spent in the USA playing solitaire on a computer and it only mm-hmm. took 7 billion hours to build the uh, the Panama, Panama Canal. Canal yeah. So, so you know, if, if that could be harnessed in some way <laughs> in some for the greater way. human good, um, mm. you know, wouldn't that be... I mean, Bill Gates may be curing malaria, but he's obviously... <laughs> every day he's squandering a Panama Canal. Exactly. This is a story sent into us to by one of our... Uh, fans in the US, so thank you, Laura, who has sent in a story about this guy called Louis Von Ahn mm-hmm. who wanted to use this uh, 9 billion hours as Americans spend wasting playing online solitaire and instead doing something useful with it. And so he's created a bunch of games mm-hmm. which hopefully by you playing them will actually increase the, uh, I don't know, do a good thing for mankind by... Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, did you have a look at this or not? I had a brief look. Yeah, um, I did a sort of, are you male or female kind of thing, and it asked me like 10 questions and then said there's a 98% chance that you're a male. <laughs> it was like, do you like this picture or that picture? And I, I was trying to think, hmm, that was kind of interesting, but how's that saving the world? I wasn't sure. Did you, did you, do, not, did you not know the answer to this question in the first place, James? Or? <laughs> well, I, I just <laughs> I think it's more out. kind of computer learning, so like mechanical turkey kind right, of stuff. Okay. But I, I think mm-hmm. that's what it was about. Okay. Um, but I mean, I've heard about similar things with like captures. You know, some of them have mm-hmm. captures where mm-hmm. they, they help teach OCR machines mm. what they mm. mean. If you have to do two captures, then one is for security and one's to help the uh, ah, kind right. of the mechanical. What is this picture of? Yeah. So yeah. this is uh, some of the things he's trying to do is to um, take collections of online pictures and get labeling right for them. Uh, creating uh, lists of knowledge for things and basically doing stuff that computers are really bad at but people find quite easy or, yeah. um, or can be made into a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, hopefully if we, can, if we can actually harness those nine, million, <laughs> 9 billion hours to do something useful, that would be a great thing. Yeah, I, Actually, I've been um, playing with, have you seen the new um, iPhoto thing with the iPhoto from Mac, which has got the oh, face recognition and stuff it, in yeah, it? Yeah, recognises people in the photos, is that right? Well, yeah, it's pretty good actually. But mm-hmm. I mean, some people it it doesn't kind of get right. Um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> does it get them wrong, or does it? Does it not always, know who they are? I mean, it, but it is quite. I mean, it's quite an interesting way of arranging your photo collection by mm-hmm. by people, and it seem, it does seem to recognise faces. But as, as to recognising who they are, it's mm. not as good as recognising it's a face. But I guess that's a you know it's an iteration. But mm-hmm. uh, w- worth a look. Do you have a chance to look at some I'll of the have a look at, Yeah, I'll have a quite find interesting way of. It's, you know, it's a different view on the your photos, which are typically very badly organised anyway. So that's true. I, I have thousands of photos, and they're all just in folders and <laughs> pretty badly organised. <laughs> exactly. it, it, but it does seem to analyse them pretty quickly. So that's cool. It's pretty cool. An interesting spin on that from Google, who are doing. It must be with Picasso. Is that their photo? Yeah, I think so. Thing? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Where the scary thing is because. Uh, it knows about everyone's photos. It can recognise people in your photos that you never even pointed out. That would be scary. That would be freaky. It's like, who's this? <laughs> so, theoretically, you could take a photo of some random person on the street and pop it up on Google and say, oh, that's uh, 
but that's like surveillance Gym. stuff. I mean, you, I mean, that's probably more powerful mm. than you know. Every, mm. uh, what is it in London? You walk past seventeen cameras on the way to work, at, yep. something like that. Yep. So, um, but they don't know amazing, who people it? are. But no. Google does. Is that what you're Google saying? Google does. Picasso? Yes. <laughs> so, so the moral of the story there is maybe don't if you're a criminal. Don't mm. tag yourself on Picasso. <laughs> yeah, that's right, because everyone will know. <laughs> <laughs> Although I suppose they could derive it from, you know, if you're driving a car, they know the plate and who owns the car, so that's probably mm. you, and then they could work out that's probably, probably this person. True. Probably but true. But that's, that's assuming probably a little too much. Mm. Mm. So, uh, back to gaming news. Um, yeah, what is this electronic delivery, the way forward? What's all well, this? Well, this is uh, an interview with a company called Gamersgate, uh, the CEO, Theodore Burquist. I must admit, I've um, never heard of them. Is this like the Steam I've, engine or something like that, where you, yeah. you pay a subscription and you can download games? Or people, people, most people are familiar with the Steam engine, which mm-hmm. uh, is I so, originally downloaded it as part of Counter Strike, I think. Right. Or um, no, it wasn't Counter Strike. It was the one that comes the one Half-Life after Counter Strike. Yeah, Half Life. That's it. Yeah. And uh, it's basically a, a little menu, and it shows you, uh, you you choose the game that you want to play from it. And occasionally it says, oh, these new games are now available and you can pay and download them mm-hmm. and they form one of the list of games that you can play. So it doesn't feel so much like a website or anything like that where you go to download stuff. It's it's an environment in its own right. It's like a, there's a client server element to it. So mm. it's using a generic engine, is it? And then you download all, not skins, it's obviously more than a skin, it's the skin and game yeah, logic and it's stuff. Yeah, it's actually a game itself. So it means that you can actually download new games uh, mm-hmm. without actually having to go to a store, so... Uh, everyone, well, quite quick to download because your average game these days is a, you know, a full DVD or more, isn't it? So, mm, or even mm, a Blu-ray. Thanks. <laughs> um, so, that's so what's this guy? What's his? Um, obviously, his Steam. I think Directed Drive is the other one. What's um, Gamersgate got that the other guys haven't so got? Gamersgate uh, is a completely. Actually, I'm just trying to read because I don't remember <laughs> your question. <laughs> um, I think they've got lots of games, which is clearly part of it. Um, mm-hmm. I guess this is a way of monetizing your back catalogue as well. Yeah, so they've got about a thousand games and right. uh, so they can take a hundred games from a small publisher and publish them all on Gamersgate okay. uh, where it wouldn't be normally popular, po- wouldn't be possible to actually make much profit out of shipping a hundred games into stores. You can do that on the internet in the kind of, you know, long tail right. scenario. So they're trying to be the kind of... Uh, the Amazon uh, you know, of iTunes of the iTunes, iTunes of online yeah. games, I suppose, yeah. to let third parties come on there and sell their games really yeah. quite easy. Yeah, um, so they're seeing about two hundred percent growth in the last year. And uh, Theodore's take on it is that uh, he doesn't think that bricks and mortar game stores will survive uh, because um, they need to be selling hardware right, together with games rather than just the games. Otherwise, why would you, why wouldn't you just use e-commerce and download them directly? Well, because they're, you know, 40 gigabytes. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you've got a couple of Blu-ray discs, that's going to be hard, isn't it? Yeah, I mean... But, uh, but the then the titles he's looking at, I think, are, you know, maybe back catalogue oldies, you know, Pac-Man, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So we should see. But so, yeah, have you done any gaming recently? Well, I think I'm mm-hmm. doing a bit of Mario Karting this weekend, maybe. That's nice. I think um, my, only, my only gaming lately has been trying to work my way through the episodes of World of Goo. Oh, yeah. Which is a isn't that great little game, but uh, no, it's on. It's a PC game. Okay. Yep. It's a cheap and cheerful download, and it's all about um, kind of goo physics and trying to little get little goo balls to there. Yeah, it's like look a roco, um, but uh, gooey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Most excellent. 
Okay, well that kind of about wraps it up for today, I think. But uh, do send us your feedback. We'd like to get thanks, Laura, for sending us a little snippet. Um, where we send it again, Ian? Feedback at onthecouchpodcast.com. Brilliant. And if you do like it, why not write a review on iTunes? That'd be fantastic. Indeed. Right. Right, James. Well, I shall catch you next week. Indeed. Okay. Thanks, Ian. And thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye from me, James. And bye from Ian. Cheers. Bye.